Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Let me pray for us. Father, praise your name for all the ways in which you bless us and provide for us, Father. Praise your name for all the gifts, Lord, for all the things you've done for us, for our families, for this church. Lord, we just come to a a place now in our service where we have the privilege of, of opening the truth of your word, of hearing now from you, Lord, the words that you've given to us, your people. For us to follow, to understand, to memorize, Lord, to, to use as a foundation for the decisions we make. So, just again, impress upon our hearts the importance of what we're doing, the importance of what we're learning. Father, give us the, the ability uh, to take what we've learned, to, to, to transfer it into our lives, to live according to the truth of your word. And Father, I pray through the power of the Spirit we could be transformed more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in His name that we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and open to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I've started last week kind of a mini-sermon series that will take us for the next couple of weeks related to the Legacy Project and all God is doing and the ways in which He's blessing our church. You saw just a small little example of it this morning with our new members and with these boys that are going to be leading this Bible study that have been leading and are challenged now to lead it even more. You know, I tell people sometimes that if you knew what I know, you'd be even more excited about what God's doing here than you already are. God is at work in the hearts of our people. He's moving, constantly bringing, I don't know if you noticed, but I think there were five or six kids here between these families. These are just a few of the many that have come and the people that continue to join. And as we continue to grow, we're at this exciting place in the history of our church where we're out of space. One of the things we've noticed all through the years with our church is that God is constantly provided. He's always sent resources, he's always sent people, he's always sent children, and we're at the point now where our kids are out of space, we need to add some additional places there, we're already doing three worship services and filling those up, and we've got to come to this place where we make a decision about moving forward. And so we've created the Legacy Project, an opportunity for you to kind of get to know what we're doing and kind of hear more about the vision. You should have already received a little brochure last week. If you did not, those are available to you this morning. We want one per family, so take one if you don't have one already. You should have received a little card this morning when you came in. If you didn't, pick one of those up when you leave as well. Again, one per family. This is just a commitment card. We're going to ask you on February the 11th to commit to be part of this process, to commit financially, to build and to expand and to add the children's building. But I want to tell you what our goal is in all this. Sometimes we get caught up in the money and the finances, and it is about money. It is, it is about finances. I'm not naive to that. But our bigger goal in all of this is that every family would be involved on some level. I don't, know, I don't know what that means for you. I don't, I don't even pretend to try to tell you what that would be. But I want every family to pray about, to seek the Lord, to ask the Lord what He would have you to do and how He would have you to give. And I want every family to be part of this process. If that happens, if every family will hear from the Lord, trust the Lord, be involved in the process, we'll be amazed at what God will do. I'm telling you. 
We'll be amazed at what God will do if we'll trust Him and listen. And so kind of to get our hearts ready, to prepare our minds for this process, kind of looking forward to this capital campaign we've been working through now last week and then this week, this section of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I love it because Paul gives us so much in here to think about, kind of so many different avenues we could talk about and learn about. Last week we kind of took one approach. This week we're going to be in basically the same passage of Scripture and we're going to look at something else that Paul teaches today. So if you have your Bibles, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We have the verses on the screen for you to follow along as well. We'll look at them together. You'll remember some of these from last week. Paul's words. We want you to know, remember he's writing to the church at Corinth, brothers, about the grace of God that's been given among the churches of Macedonia, right? So he's writing to the church at Corinth, looking at the church of Macedonia. So Paul says, church at Corinth, Macedonia is an example for us. Notice the grace of God that's been given to those churches. That's what Paul says, which by the way is foundational. Anytime we talk about giving uh, or blessing others or financial stuff, that all flows out of us because of the grace God has given us. Right? God blesses us, we in turn bless others. Now look at verse 2. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed into a wealth of generosity on their part. Now, I'm not going to talk a lot about this because I spent a lot of time last week doing that. You can go back and listen to the podcast or meet with me. I'd be happy to talk through it with you. But, but verse 2 is incredible because Paul says, listen, there's this group of people that went through this great affliction. They had extreme poverty. And yet in that affliction, in that poverty, they've overflowed in a wealth of generosity. Right? They gave not out of their abundance. They gave out of their poverty. Verse 3, for they gave according to their means as I can testify and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, then by the will of God to us. And let's stop there for a minute. I want to draw your attention to one kind of foundational truth. We're going to kind of set money aside for a second. Paul is talking about money, he's talking about financial, giving. We're going to get there in just a second, but there's a bigger principle at play. One of the things I don't want to happen over these few weeks that I'm preaching through this is for y'all to walk away thinking all we're doing is talking about money because it's not. There are bigger principles at play. We talked last week about our generosity as believers. How are we generous in our Christian walk? Today, we're going to be talking about being willing. And so the first truth I want you to see from these first few verses, number one, a willing desire to follow the Lord is characteristic of the Christian walk, right? That's a big picture idea, right? That, does, that, that includes money, but it's not just about money. That includes all sorts of things in our lives. As we kind of think through our walk, we kind of ask ourselves this question, how willing are we to follow the Lord's will in our life? Because the the characteristic of the Christian walk should be a desire and a willingness to follow Christ. Now, I'm going to say this to you, and this is between you and the Lord. If you say to me, I don't have any desire in my life to follow Christ, well, you need to examine your Christian life then. Like, if you say to me, you know, I don't ever have a desire to follow, I don't really ever think about the Lord or, or the Lord's will in my life, I don't really have a desire to put Him first, I don't have a desire, I would say you need to take a step back and take a look at your faith. 
Because one of the hallmarks of the Christian faith, one of the hallmarks of a walk with Christ is a desire to know Him more, a desire to grow in your faith, a desire to walk with Him, be willing to do all that He's called you to do. This is what Paul says in verse 5. If we have that up, I want you to take a look at what he says. He says, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the what? Let's all say it now this time. They gave themselves first to the what? Lord. There's this foundational Christian principle. There's this foundational Christian principle that we give ourselves first to the Lord. Right? In all things. Just set money aside again. I'm not, I'm not even talking about money. Let's think through things like our time. Right? Do, we, do we give our time first to the Lord or do we do it opposite? My... my Thought is probably most people do it opposite. Here's what we do. We, we fulfill all the obligations the world gives us first. <clears throat> Job responsibilities, you know, to, to, the to-do list, the meetings, all different things we got to do. And then at the end of the day or after we've kind of exhausted the vast majority of our time, whatever's left over, we give that to the Lord, don't we? So we're not giving to the Lord first, we're giving to the world first, and then we give to God whatever's left over. That's not the Christian principle. God will say, it ought to begin with me, right? He's first. Your time first goes to the Lord. Like, we should, we should kind of wake up, or we should have this time set aside in the day that we calendar, or we know we're going to do it, or it's important to us, that we just have time with the Lord. That's different for different people. It could be praying, it could be studying the Bible, it could be evangelism, whatever it looks like for you, but we ought to put Christ first in our time. We ought to put Christ first in our effort. Right? Do, you, do you ever feel like you just kind of wear yourself out and you're, you're so exhausted and by the time you're finished with doing all the things of the world, you're so tired you can't spend any time with the Lord? You ever thought that or you don't have time to serve? You ever thought, you know, I'm just so busy or I'm just so tired, I've worn myself out, I don't have time to do the things I'd really like to do for the Lord? Well, you've got this backwards then. Or you, kind of, you kind of flip this principle. And the principle says we give to the Lord first everything. So that is money, right? That is time, that is effort, right? Our desire as a believer should be to follow Christ, put Him first above all other things. Now we see this in other parts of Scripture, right? It's not just found in 2 Corinthians 8. We see it in the life of Christ. Mark chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. Right? Jesus came with the idea, the desire, the willingness to follow the Lord, whatever it cost him. Ultimately cost him his life. We read in passages like 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, speaking to church leaders. He says, shepherd the flock of God that's among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, take up your cross model. Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And there's this call to believers to, to willingly exercise our faith, to be willing and desire to follow the Lord. Now here's what we do in most of the decisions of life. Most of us, when we come to this place of making a decision in life, we base it on basically, and I'm using, well, you may use different words, but the idea here, here is kind of a reward versus a consequence. We got this big decision. We're going to think about the possible rewards. What are the good things, maybe the, the pro things that could come from this? What are the consequences? What are, what are the cons? What are the bad things? And oftentimes we make decisions based on that rationale. 
Right? Here, here's the problem with that when we begin to make decisions based like that on the things of the Lord. That's not how Christ calls us to make decisions. Right? Christ, and some of y'all need to hear this now, Christ has us make decisions based on faith. Not necessarily what the world would say. I mean, I had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago. We were out in Texas. We, we had a, a wedding. Hunter Hancock. Many of you know Ruth and Kirk Hancock. Hunter got married <clears throat> just north of San Antonio, Texas, and they asked me to do the wedding. So we went out and did the wedding. Had a great experience. And the day of the wedding, we had a little time because the wedding wasn't until late that night, like 7.30 that night. So we kind of played around and, and went to a little town and, and just kind of walked around to some of the shops. And we went into this one shop that sold food, but they were like mixes. Like you could buy salsa mixes or you could buy like um, certain kind of uh, dips or you could buy like chili mixes. And they had all these kind of tasting things. You could do. In, in the very back of the store, they had all their mixes related to peppers. Like they had all kind of pepper stuff you could buy. Now I'm not a big pepper guy. I don't like peppers. I don't like hot my wife likes peppers. Some of you guys uh, enjoy hot, spicy stuff. My dad, growing up, I, I will never forget, loved, my grandmother too, loved spicy. I distinctly can remember my dad sitting at the dinner table, eating peppers, crying. <laughs> I'm not kidding, crying, talking about how good it was, and he wants to eat another one. I'm like, Dad, something is wrong with you, man. This is not normal. But, but they got this Scoville scale now. You may know this. Again, I'm not a pepper guy, so I'm not. But it ranks the, the kind of the heat of a pepper. You take a jalapeno pepper, and on that scale, it's like, I think they say between uh, 2,500 and 8,000. That's the scale of a jalapeno pepper, right? In this store, I'm not making this up, they had one that was ranked at 9 million. No, I'm not, I'm not making, you Google this when you get home. I promise you it exists. It's called Mad Dog 357. Not making this up. By the way, you can Google this and watch people eating these peppers online. That's a, that's a laugh right there. You ought to go do it. People eating this pepper, right? But I sat there and I looked at that pepper and the first thought is what would, what would lead anybody? I mean, that's just ridiculous. That's just ridiculous to eat that kind of a pepper. But I thought, you know, if I was sitting at the table, I would kind of make a decision on eating this pepper based on the reward consequence, right? The reward is, that's a pretty cool story. You know, if I could down that thing... I promise you it would be a sermon illustration next Sunday if I could eat that pepper. That's, that's a reward, right? But the consequence is my, my mouth would be on fire. I'd probably end up in the emergency room. So for me, the, the consequence is far greater. I don't, I'm not going to do it. Others of you may love pepper and love the spice and love the heat. We make decisions based on reward consequence, don't we? Right? You got up Wednesday morning. You had to make a decision whether you were going to drive on the road. Right, the consequence is I may get stuck, I may run into a tree, have a fender bender. Most of us decided to stay in. But if your boss said, hey, we're open for business, guess what you did? You got up and drove to work. We make decisions based on reward consequence. Here's the problem now. That's how we make most of our decisions. The problem is that's an earthly model. That's an earthly uh, decision-making process. The Lord says, listen, you don't need to be foolish. You need to be wise in the things you do, but your decision-making for the things of the Lord has to be based on faith. You understand that? Those are vastly different ideas. Vastly different ideas. If you begin to make decisions about the kingdom of the Lord based on re reward consequence on this earth, you've missed the whole truth. Because the vast majority of things we do for the Lord are based on faith, aren't they? You start thinking about some of the things that Christians do on a regular basis, they don't make any sense on this earth. Like if you've ever fasted, like going without food intentionally for a period of time, some people do it for a meal, a couple meals a day, some people go several days or a week. If you've ever fasted for a long period of time, that doesn't make any sense on the earth, right? We're hungry, we want to eat, our body needs food. 
But when you set aside the earthly stuff and understand it's an opportunity for me to gain strength in the Lord by focusing on Him and realizing really that all my strength actually comes from Him anyway, it's a faith decision at that point, isn't it? Like to the world, it doesn't make sense. And we read this book. It's antiquated. It's old. Uh, It was good 2,000 years ago, but there's no modern truth in it. It's a waste of time. Why would we read it? Well, because it's a spiritual decision for us. It's the Word of God, and we want it to infiltrate and lead our lives. Like why would we sit in a closet alone and, and speak to ourselves, the world would say. That's foolish. We call it prayer. Like we begin to make decisions based on spiritual things in God's economy, not based on decisions that the earth would say are normal. And so we start thinking like that. Like how, how am I going to serve the Lord? How am I going to be willing to follow the Lord in faith, right? How, how am I going to serve? How am I going to sacrifice? How, how am I going to take up my cross, This should be foundational to our walk with Christ. We should be making decisions based on our faith in the Lord, on His calling in our lives. We should be willing to follow that calling, a desire regardless of what it costs, to make that decision. That's God's economy for our lives. The problem is far too many of us are living this Christian walk on the world's economy. And we're missing the truth of God's calling in our life. Now let's continue. Look at verse 4. Let's continue to think through this. Right? So Paul gives us this big picture idea, the willingness, the desire to follow the Lord. Now he's going to hone it in. So in these next few verses, he's going to give us some characteristics of giving. Financial giving that I want you to see this morning. Verse 4 again. Let's read back through a few of these verses and then continue. Paul says, Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. Now verse 8. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched By your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it's acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Now let's stop there and let's just draw some principles of giving out of this text. Here's the first principle I want you to see. We have it on the screen. The first thing I want you to see. We should be willing to give financially. We should be willing to give financially. Now, we take this right out of Scripture because if you look at verse 4 again, pull verse 4. Let me just remind you, the church at Macedonia, they were going through extreme poverty. They were going through great difficulty, hard circumstances. In a moment that we would expect people to not give anything, the Bible says in verse 4, what's the first word there? They were begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Right, the group of people that were going through this tragedy, very difficult times, this affliction, extreme poverty, instead of trying to figure out how they could save some of their money, they begged to give more. Please allow us to be part of this process. Please allow us, even in our poverty, to give you this money. Paul, that's what they're saying. 
Now some people get to this and they, they read this passage of Scripture and they think, how could anybody come to the place in their life when going through extreme poverty, going through difficult situations, they're begging to give some of their money away. What, what leads a person to come to that realization that even though they're in poverty, even though they're struggling, even though they can't make ends meet, they're still willing and able and even begging to be part of this process. Well, let me remind you of a couple of things that Paul says to these people to help them understand what's going on in the lives of these Macedonians. The first one is kind of from last week. The first one that we need to understand, it was kind of foundational last week, is that we give based on the grace of God in our lives. Right? Our giving, our generosity, our, our willingness to give should all flow from the grace of God in our lives. We talked about that last week. But here's something else Paul brings out to these people. Pull up verse 8 if you would again, please. Paul says to them, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Right? Paul says, listen, I'm, I'm not going to command anybody to do this. Right? We can't command anybody to do anything. It's between you and the Lord. But when you decide to do this, Paul says, it's going to prove your earnestness and your love for others. See, we, we talk about giving to a capital campaign. We talk about giving money, sacrificing money for a building or for children's building or for whatever we're going to be doing, remodeling, all the things we've been talking about the last many months. When we talk about doing those things, we understand, listen, it's not a command. We can't command anybody to give. But it's an opportunity for us to say to the Lord, listen, we trust you with our finances. We want to be part of this process. And when we do that, guess what happens? It becomes not a financial decision for us, but a spiritual decision. Did you know that giving to the church, tithing or offerings or capital campaign or whatever, that, that's never really about a financial decision in your life. Did you know that? It's always about a spiritual decision. You want to talk about deepening your faith in the Lord, give up more of your money to Him. You ought to try it. I'll never forget, I've told this story before, and I didn't tell it in any other services, but I just felt like the Lord leading me to tell it right now. I tell it to praise God's name, not because of anything I did. Amy and I, we were first married. We were young, uh, first starting out as teaching, weren't making a whole lot of money. We were able to pay the bills, praise the Lord. We went, went through a patch where we didn't have a lot of money. And we sat down, and we kind of looked at the bills, right? And we had always tithed 10%. That's always just something we did. It was important to us. We sat down and we looked at the bills and we looked at each other and we said, you know, we're not sure what's going to happen, where the money's going to come. We need to pray about this, what we're going to do to get through this patch these next several months. And I'll never forget, we came back together and we had the same thought. The Lord led us both to tithe more. So we did. We started giving 20% instead of 10. Makes no sense financially, does it? But I'm telling you, for those many months that we did that, the Lord blessed us and provided for us and grew my faith in ways He never would have otherwise. Because it's one thing for me to say I trust the Lord. It's another thing to actually do something about it. Paul says, listen, you're not commanded to do this. Bring that verse up. Bring eight again, please. It's not commanded to do this, but you do it to prove your love. You do it to prove that it's genuine. You, you do it to demonstrate to the Lord all that you want to do and all you want to accomplish. Right? God says, listen, I'll direct you. I'll encourage you. I'll, I'll use you for the sake of my kingdom. If you're willing, pull that, that point back up again. If you're willing to do this, if you'll just trust me and listen to me, I'll guide you. Here's the next principle we see in this passage of Scripture. Our willingness to give is pleasing to the Lord. And when we're willing to sacrifice... And we're willing to give for the sake of the kingdom. That pleases the Lord. Look at verse 12 if you would. Paul says, for if the readiness is there, right? So if, if the desire to give is there, 
It's acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Right? Paul says that the person that is willing to give, the person that is willing to, to, to trust the Lord, the person that's willing to, to sacrifice for this is going to please the Lord. But here's what most people do, and I, and I love how Paul answers this question here. Most people start the process of giving financially, whether it's tithing or offering or capital campaigns. We start from an earthly reward consequence decision. Right? This is what we do. We look at our bottom line, our bank account, and, and typically we look at the extra that we have. We try to decide how much we're going to give. Paul says, listen, it's not really about that. It's about a faith decision, a willingness to give. And instead of looking what you don't have, look at what you have, right? It's acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. We, we typically do something like this. You know, if I just had a little bit more, I'd give a little bit more. I had funny conversations all week with people about the, the lottery example I gave last week. We're very generous when it's somebody else's money, right? When it doesn't really exist. We play the game of what I would do with the money that I won with the lottery. And we always give a lot of it away. But I don't have it, so I can't really give it away, right? Paul says, don't, don't start with what you don't have. Start with what you do have. Let, let that be honoring to the Lord, right? Think about all that God has given you. All, all the blessings that you've received from Him. All the gifts you received. I had kind of this moment during the snow over the last couple of days. I walked into our pantry. You know, we laugh about bread and milk and, you know, the stores are bare and like we're going to be in for two weeks, you know, thawed out in, in a few hours, right? But we couldn't get out for a couple of days. I get that. So, but I walked into my pantry at one point. It's like the Lord just kind of washed over me with this realization of how incredibly blessed I am. You ever done that? I mean, you, you look at your pantry, and, and, and I don't want to overstate this, but you look at your pantry, and you've got more food in that pantry than hundreds of millions of people have all over the world. Did you know that? I mean, the amount of food that we have in our homes is unreal. We're blessed. I mean, God has given tremendously to start there. Start with what Christ has given us, with all God has done for us. Begin with that process in mind as you begin to think about and pray about all the Lord would do. Right? The Lord, bring that point back up if you would for me, please. The Lord wants us to have this willingness to give because it pleases Him. It demonstrates to Him our trust. It dem demonstrates to Him our faith. It demonstrates all that we have and all that we love and all that's important to us that we're willing to give to him for the sake of his kingdom. Now here's what Paul does. I want you to look at a verse and we're winding down here this morning. Look at verse 9. 2 Corinthians 8 9. As we just kind of walk through this passage of scripture, Paul gives us the example of Christ. Right, if you ever want to know about your blessings, if you ever want to know about all that God has done for you, if you ever want to kind of start the process, this spiritual decision based on the grace of the Lord in your life, begin with Christ. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty might become rich. Right, Jesus stepped down out of heaven right, in wealth and riches, and for your sake he became poor. Right, He gave up all of heaven. He became a man sacrifice, lived for nothing. He didn't have anything, didn't have a place to lay his head, the Bible says, on this earth. He became poor so that by his poverty, right, his death, all the beatings he received, all the things that he, all the poverty of his life because of his death, burial, and resurrection, we become rich. Right, through his great sacrifice, we gain eternal life in heaven with the Lord. It's this beautiful principle. Paul says, listen, anytime you want to think about grace and sacrifice and giving and serving the Lord, start with all that Christ did for you. And then finally, the last thing I want you to see, the last principle I want you to see this morning, we have it on the screen, we should be willing to finish what we start. 
Right, Paul in two different places, in two different places encourages these people. Listen, what the Lord has led you to do, you need to complete it. Pull up verse 6, 2 Corinthians 8, 6. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. Right, finish what you start. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 11. So now finish doing it well, so that your readiness and desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. Right, Paul says, listen, the Lord's going to lead you, the Lord's going to guide you, the Lord's going to direct you. Whatever he leads you to do, finish what you start. Now I want to finish with this idea. I'm going to finish it up right here with this thought, this idea and this challenge for you this morning. I've said this from the beginning. I'm going to keep saying it. Our goal, I said at the beginning of this sermon a few minutes ago, our goal in this process is that every family would be involved on some level. Okay? That's between you and the Lord. But my great encouragement to you in this process is to spend time as a family praying, discussing, thinking about all the Lord would do. Asking the Lord how He would have you to give, what He would have you to sacrifice. I've been talking to my family now for, I don't know, five or six weeks about this at least. We have a time every night. We've done this since our kids were little. We, we come together as a family every night, almost every night. And we have a time of prayer. I lead it sometimes. Amy leads it. Sometimes the kids lead it. But it's just an opportunity for us to get together, to pray. Sometimes we read scripture. Sometimes we just talk about what the Lord's doing. We just have good discussions. Sometimes the kids ask a lot of fun questions about the Lord. Just a chance for our family to kind of worship together before we go to bed. But we've been talking about this for several weeks. And I've told my kids, listen, we need to be praying about what the Lord wants us to give. Because I want to sacrifice for this. I don't want to give out of abundance. I want, I want this to, this is me talking. I want this to cost me something. And I want to look at the grace of the Lord in my life. And as a believer, I want to say, you know what? The Lord gave me. I'm willing to give him something. And so my kids have been talking about it, praying about it, thinking about it. My encouragement to you, spend time praying, thinking, talking, seeking the Lord. Because I promise you, if you make this commitment that we're going to do on February the 11th, if you make this a spiritual decision... Instead of a financial decision, God's going to be honored. You're going to be blessed. He's going to receive glory. And through the process, he's going to do great things. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the truth of your word again. We thank you for what you've shown us in, in this passage of scripture last week and this week. Father, just the encouragement and the challenge. First of all, to give you the, the first part of everything we do, our time and our effort, Lord. And also, just principles of giving, Lord. Just to recognize your grace, Father. Just to trust you with our finances. Just to allow you to speak to us, Father. To direct us, direct our path. Father, I just pray that this whole process, that above all things, we would seek your will. We would seek your will. We would ask you to guide us. We would ask you to direct us. Father, I pray you do great things in our midst for the sake of your kingdom. We love and serve you in all things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can stand. The altar is going to be open. Opportunity for you to pray or speak to me. Just your chance to respond. You come as we sing together. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.